Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. With your chance to be heard, give your opinion, bash on the liberals, even make fun of the wacky left. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 949, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Ah, we don't do a lot of bashing on this show, but maybe a little bit here and there. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today to the Andy Griffin Show. It's now nine minutes after nine o'clock. Great to have you along. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to hear from Chris Stewart, the U.S. Congressman representing the state of Utah. We'll listen to what kind of he has to say. We'll also, uh, uh, I know Allie wanted to talk about an event tonight. Allie, it was a, a, a midnight run or a 9 yeah. p.m. run or something tonight. Yeah. I know that was, a, you wanted to talk about that because it's kind of important. It is. It is. Well, um, it starts tonight at 9. Okay. So and, late night run. Mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Midnight you know, I don't have my paper in front of me. Shoot. The one but, thing I remember is the firefighters are going to be there <laughs> spraying water on the runners. Yeah, different stops. There's going to be, their firefighters are going to spray people. Oh, that sounds kind you of know, fun, actually. Take out their aggression. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, it sounds like fun. And then and then after, the all the runners can go to a pool party. It's going to be a glow-in-the-dark pool party, I guess. Wow. So, it's, so like a, it's like a 5K yeah. or a shorter Yeah, run? 5K. Yeah, okay. It's a 5K. Yeah, those are the ones so. that I could almost do. Almost. <laughs> That's still three miles, folks. So yeah. it's not like it's, it's simple. But, yeah. Uh, do you know where this race is at? Do you, do you um, I don't, but you know what? I'll grab my paper. I'll okay. find out okay. and then I'll, I'll let works. you know. All right. Uh, got, uh, let's see, uh, Chris Stewart coming up. We also have uh, a couple of other things planned for you. But right now I want to bring Brad Bennett in. Brad Bennett is with Defending Southwest Utah Heritage Coalition. DSUHC for short. I think we could go even shorter and just go defending Dixie. How about that, Brad? Yeah, I think that makes it easy. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today. I thought it was important to have you on for a few minutes on Open Line Friday just because uh, there was a big meeting this week, Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. It wasn't a meeting you guys were allowed to say anything, but you got to go and observe. What did you learn at this meeting? Well, we learned a lot more of the same, you know, that there's still that in, in our view, uh, we learned that DSU is, is still up to their devious tactics, you know, and, and still manipulating the data to try to support a false narrative. It is, I, I, I want to get back to the meeting in a second, but I, I, I keep, I'm sitting there going, like, like I'm the kind of guy I'm trying to figure out motives, right? I want to know why, you know, why did Dr. Fauci lie and, and, and fudge the truth and, get, you know, that stuff like this. And, and my question for you is why is the college so, for lack of a better word, hell-bent on dropping Dixie from the name? What's the ultimate motivation? Is it money? Well, you know, I can only speculate to that. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't say that for sure, although in my personal opinion, I can't come up with too many um, ulterior motives that make any sense. You know, every single thing that they have said about why the name needs to be changed has been debunked as being uh, the real reason. So we know for a fact that there is an ulterior motive, and they need to come clean about what it is. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, and that, to me, that's it. What What is the real reason? Is it the, you know, the Toyota and, and all that, you know, supposedly some money there. But uh, I've actually heard uh, a couple of, I don't know if it was Jordan Sharp said it or if it was Biff Williams, but uh, I've heard him quoted in the media that's saying, if you knew what I knew, you would be for changing the name as well. Yeah. So, again, you know, everything that they've said and rumors that we've heard, you know, they all come down to 
in the end that we're going to make more money by doing this um, than we're going to lose from the community, so we really don't care if we have their support. Again, you know, those are rumors. They haven't come out and officially said that. But when you look at all the evidence, you know, it gets real hard to come to any other conclusion. Brad, you grew up here, right? Yes. So when, when I moved to town in 92 or 93, uh, Dixie College at the time was an integral part of this community. It was a junior college. Uh, they had a lot of local kids playing. They, you know, they, they contended for national championships in sports. It was a really good kind of middle ground to go so that say you want to go to the U, you go in a year or two at Dixie State, you transfer up or BYU or, or Weber State, whatever it was. It, it was it was really good about that. And they had, in my mind, Brad, and, and I was new here, but in the first 10 years I was here, Dixie, Dixie College and St. George were one. They were partners in, in, you know, in this town. And then, you know, something changed. They, they dropped the Rebels. They went to D2. They fired, you know, a longtime beloved football coach. They went through a couple of athletic directors. And, and they, to me, they, they, they started this process of making themselves not, not you know, financially separate, because they already were, but, but emotionally separate from St. George, Brad. And it's, it's really troubling. And it seems like this is like the final blow the, you know, they've got the, they've got the scissors out and they're making the final cut to say Dixie state and St. George are not together. And that's troubling. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, we have, uh, we've, the, the community's had a hundred plus uh, year love affair with the, with the school mm-hmm. and they are destroying that. Sad, very sad. All right, let's get back to that meeting. It was Wednesday morning. Uh, basically, the meeting was, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was the, the people that did the, the love survey, whatever it's called, uh, presenting their findings to this new committee. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So Love Communications, um, as you already know, put out a survey to the public, you know, where they had over 15,000 or, or close to 15,000 respondents. And uh, and then they also were tasked with uh, doing these the, the data for all the these focus groups. The the problem that that I see with this is that you know DSU had pretty much uh, full control of who the participants were in the focus groups, and there really weren't that many. In contrast to say a survey of fifteen thousand people, there were around four hundred people in the focus groups. And like I said, DSU is the one that got to choose who was part of that. And the staff, for instance, they, on this one, I will say they worked extra hard to make it look like that they were being very fair and, and random about who was in there. But, but here's when you, but when you look at it, you know, for instance, the staff, we already know that DSU staff is highly afraid to come out and say anything against Dixie for fear of retaliation. Yeah, They've told us this in private. And so when you when you randomly generate numbers uh, of, of people on the staff to be in the group, but then you record the entire session and, they, and you know exactly who they are, that's a huge problem because it skews what they're going to say. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. what they should have done is randomly picked maybe twice the amount of people they need, Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then had it had it then had them be able to participate anonymously. 
Yeah, I, you I, know, I, so that, that, I think anonymous would have been a huge thing there because if you know if I'm doing a study and I know my boss is listening and the boss who has already made a statement on what we're doing the study on, there's no way I'm going to express my opinion knowing that my job might be on the line. Yeah, like I said, they should have randomly picked twice as many as they need and then sent the emails out to those and said, you know, the first ones that respond, you know, can can be in it. And uh, and then we they're anonymous. We don't know who they, exactly they are. That would have, there's a lot of things like that um, that I can see where they had lots of opportunities to manipulate who was in there. So uh, the best analogy I can come up with is let's say that I'm going to do my own uh, focus group study, and and I and, and the focus group study is about uh, who what's going to happen with the electoral votes this next election cycle for um, Utah. So I, go, I get to pick how many Democrats are going to be in the focus groups. I get to pick how many Republicans are going to be there. And then at the very end, I come to the conclusion that, well, it looks like the supermajority uh, say that the electoral votes for Utah are all going to go Democrat this next time. Hmm. Well, you don't have to know much above and beyond that to know that there's something seriously wrong with my data because it doesn't match any data prior to that. It makes no sense, right? So you know there's something wrong. And that's the same thing here. You know, they came out and they showed that 65% of the people that they talked to in the focus groups thought that Dixie should be removed. Now, if you look at the survey prior to that from Love Communications, where they had almost 15,000 people in the community speak out and say their opinion, well, they all said overwhelmingly that they want Dixie State University to stay. Every single poll prior to that, including the CISER report, all show that Dixie State University is the name that everybody in Utah wants. So how can you come out now and say that 65% don't want it to stay um, and then believe that report at all? There, there was a quote in a story on a, a media outlet that uh, I, I read it, and I'm like, now, wait, what? And, and the quote says, uh, the report, I'm quoting here, the report says equal passion was expressed by both proponents and opponents of retaining the current name, and yet nearly everyone expressed the same goal, helping the university become nationally regarded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, I, have, <laughs> I haven't heard a lot of passion from the, from the minority, I believe a small minority who want the name changed. Uh, that, that statement really surprised me. Well, yeah, well, I was shocked. You know, when you went through all the data, when they were showing all the all the different uh, individual uh, parts of, of how they got to that conclusion, you know, Dixie Dixie literally ranked second to last in almost every every area in the focus group. So, I mean, that's impossible, yeah. and everybody knows that it's impossible. And then they sit there and they run out to the media, and they just, you know, tout it as a fact that Dixie, uh, you know, needs to be removed and that people don't want it. I mean, if you read those articles, it makes it look like the majority of the community doesn't want it. Which is, which is really, really inaccurate, in my opinion. Just, just from people that listen to this show, people that I've talked to in the community, I even have a relative of mine, and I'm not going to say who it is because she might get fired, who's like, yeah, why, why are they trying to change the name? It makes no sense. She, she works for the university, so... 
anyway, I just the whole thing is is just mind boggling to me that you know, and, and it kind of maybe Brad touches a, a little bit on one of the issues we're running into nationally with when it comes to politics, and that's people being you know being manipulated by the media and, and instead of being in, un, uh, instead of being informed uh, i think if you if you look into this if you really study this you understand that the majority of st george residents don't think dixie should be dropped from the name of the university but if you read just the media reports and just their little focus groups and just their little statements you would think oh well most people or at least it's 50-50 that they want the name changed and it's it's very deceptive yeah, that none of that is true, and it's not even just that Southern Utahns don't want it changed. I mean, it's all of Utahns don't want it changed. Uh, you know, when you look at who the majority, and so uh, you can't have this this um, focus group study come out and directly contradict all of the other data uh, prior to that, and then expect that it's going to be, uh, you know. Uh, a non-flawed uh, process. Seems like there was some manipulation, as you were saying, uh, with the focus groups, uh, some intimidation perhaps even, maybe unintentional, but intimidation nonetheless. Uh, that is, in and of itself, I suppose, not illegal, but it's certainly unethical and, well, it's just plain wrong, Brad. Well, like I said, they're getting better at the manipulation because they know that we're going to, they know that we're going to do a grammar request for the raw data, they know that we're going to try to look into it further, and they've done everything they can to ensure that we won't be able to prove it. Mm-hmm. Frustrating. All right. Hey, uh, George Staley's on the other line. You want to talk to him for a sec? Of course. All right. Hey, George, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. I appreciate what Brad's saying, but I'd like to add a little bit of real numbers to what Brad has, has said. If you look at the several focus groups that, I mean, Surveys that they had before Dixie was overwhelming in large, large groups. The focus groups, 22 of them, of the focus groups came from, according to what they told us on Wednesday, came from Dixie College, wow. either students or faculty members there. And then uh, uh, Henry Walton is the person that decided what focus groups would be, who they would be. He's the one that organized them. He's the one that set them up. Uh, they claim they were done randomly, but when you look at them, you know, we haven't seen the raw data yet, but I know how it's going to turn out. There was about 400-plus people in the focus group, but only 147 of them filled out the essay. Some people claim they didn't get the essay that I've talked to. Other people said that there was no date on it when they had to be returned and they were from some of the last ones so didn't get returned in time but of that 147 people now they're making a big deal of it that 63 percent doesn't want dixie that means that about a hundred people get to make the decision whether we keep dixie or not yeah actually i think it was 65 they said 65 percent that didn't want dixie Oh, 55. I thought it was in the 60s. No, 65. 65. I thought it was 63. But anyway, it doesn't yeah, make any difference. So there was about 100 people, and most of those are faculty members and students that have been brainwashed. It uh, doesn't uh, want the name Dixie in when everybody else does. 
I, and you ask what the real reason is. I'll tell you what I feel like the real reason is. The real reason it started five years ago when Michael LaCrosse and the president of the college decided they wanted this to be a polytech or a STEM school. Right. They said they started the name change five years ago. That's not disputed. It was, if you want to get hear that, uh, Julie Beck says she has a recording of the meeting, and if she does have a recording of the meeting, he said that to the public. Wow. Now, move forward. The last name, and it, I don't know where it, it ever was mentioned in any of the surveys of being highest, is Utah's Polytechnical University. Yeah. Now, that's the name that they're going to come up with, I guarantee you. The reason why is to put so much pressure on the legislative body that they have to move forward with a polytechnical school here instead of the mandate that is here of serving the residents of Washington Kane County. They're going to have to now wear a polytech school by name only. They're going to have to come up with the money. They're going to have to come up with with all the new programs, with all the new buildings, because now they claim we are a comprehensive polytechnic school, which we are not. Julie Beck said the, the thing that bothered her most about the survey is that in Washington County and outside King, oh, County, it would be a hindrance if we to a polytechnical school if we kept the name Dixie. So that's why they want it. They are they are putting pressure on the uh, Senate. The Senate should immediately come down and investigate the way that the uh, surveys and the uh, committee has has gone through and shut them down immediately because it's not what the Senate wants to change the or the people here to become a polytechnical school. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the polytechnical school, but that's not what the survey shows the people here want. And they'll put pressure on our senators to turn us into something that is not in the best interest. He also mentioned that I, I asked this question yesterday uh, to the city mayor that uh, he used the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Pennsylvania community. He says that's about the same ratio, amount of population that St. George says there'll be. I looked it up. 302,000 people is what they have, but greater, greater Pittsburgh is 2.33 million people. That's the Wasatch they Front can, right there. Yeah. Huh? That's the Wasatch Front right there. Well, uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have the water to become that. He says we're going to be the biggest university in Utah if we have 60,000 people in our university here. The infrastructure and the people, you know, we're not going to be able to support that type of, uh, of a community, even though it might be a great economical boost to some people. It's it's not best for a community that has limited size growth because of water 
and because of the terrain that we have, it's just physical impossible. George, I, I got to run. George, thank you for calling today. I really appreciate that. Uh, we want to make sure and get uh, let Brad have his uh, final say here. Brad, uh, it sounds like, I mean, what George was saying is basically they're trying to change the very nature of the university, not just the name, which uh, is is just as troubling. Yeah, and so they, they definitely are trying to change the whole direction of the university. In fact, they're trying to change it into something that Biff says has really never been done before. So that that's probably one of my bigger concerns is will it even work? And if we invest a lot of money into this plan that's unproven, you know, what will the end result be? Um, so there's a lot of things happening here that are really being done, um, you know, forced place, I should say, on the community by a handful of people. And I don't even know that there's any real proof that any of this is going to work out. So, Brad, what's next? Where, where are we at on this whole name change thing? What can we do? Is, I, mean, I mean, where are we? So, I mean, we're pretty much at the point now where it's, 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 it's important that everybody writes their legislators because there's no question they're going to forward a name that's not going to have Dixie in it up to the uh, Board of Higher Education. So write your letters to them, write your letters to the House of Representatives, and write your house to the Utah Senators. Um, you know, you, you have to do that and, and let them know that in no uncertain terms that if they kowtow to – uh, cancel culture or vote to remove Dixie that we just can no longer support their reelection. All right. He's Brad Bennett, DSU HC supporting and trying to keep Dixie in the name. Brad, thank you so much for coming on today. We'll have you again. I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks Andy. Appreciate it. All right, See ya. Talk to you later. Brad has been very vocal along with Tim Anderson and some others, uh, just to, Trying to let Biff Williams and, and the rest of those on the board of Regents hey, we don't want the name change. And, and we know you have a vision. You want to be a polytechnic, whatever. That's not what the community of St. George wants. So they're going to continue to alienate this community. Uh, you know, it, it's like, what if your ex moved back in with you? I, I mean, it's, it's like Dixie State asked for a divorce, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when they went uh, you know, went to Division Two and made all these changes and dropped rebels and everything, and 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 now the divorce is getting a little bit nasty. And uh, but but the problem is we live in the same house, Dixie State and St. George community, uh, and they they keep pushing and they keep pushing. So, all right, got to get a weather break in. When we come back, we will hear from Chris Stewart, the uh, congressman, U.S. congressman representing the state of Utah. He had a pretty poignant message to give us. And uh, we'll also honor Dean Cox, county commissioner, who uh, stepped down from his position, uh, having some health issues as well. So this is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890-949-KDXU. We're interactive at the Andy Griffin Show. Call in now at 673-5890. Text in at 435-467-5842. Email at agriffin at cherrycreekmedia.com. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show. How are you today? 934 on KDXU. I'm uh, glad to have you along for the ride. It's Open Line Friday. So if you want to check in with the show, 673-5890, again, is the phone number. I'm going to do this, though. I want to play this little segment from Chris Stewart yesterday. It's only, uh, let's see, 4 minutes and 17 seconds. But uh, Chris Stewart had something on his mind. I thought it was pretty poignant. Here he is. Yes, good morning. I'm sorry I'm a little bit late. My bad. Ah, no worries. I just was, you know, I was kind of trying to fill a little bit because we still wanted to get you on the air, give you a, a couple of minutes. Uh, hey, you've been uh, prolifically writing again. Tell us about your latest editorial. 
Well, you know, before I do, I want to tell you the reason I'm late. I'm here uh, seeing my good friend Dean Cox, the, oh, the county yeah. commissioner, obviously. Uh, I think everyone knows him, and his, I think most people know he's been he's been sick, fighting a battle of cancer, and just yeah. it reminds us that the health of our family and the health of our friends are some of the most important things in the world. So, um, anyway, God bless Dean and his family. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for letting me talk about this this other thing, and that is this HR one, which stands for House Resolution One, the primary, the most important thing that Nancy Pelosi wants to accomplish, and that is to actually federalize and destroy the, elect- the election system that we've had for more than 200 years, and th- she thinks she can do it better. And uh, there's, there's just no, uh, no, more bat- or no battle that's more important than stopping this legislation. It's hard sometimes, Chris, to cut through all the noise that is the, the leftist media in particular. I mean, it used to be you could go to CNN or whatever and, and trust what you hear. That was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now, you know, they're telling us, hey, the stuff you guys are doing is messing with elections. And that's why Nancy Pelosi has to make these changes. How do we sort through all that? Well, I think you can start with, uh, with this premise of do you trust the media? Have they ever been dishonest with you? Have they ever been political or been biased? Because the answer to that is pretty obvious. Yeah. And does someone suddenly think, well, on this issue, they're probably going to tell us the truth. Well, <laughs> does that seem obvious? Because yeah. it seems unlikely to me. Yeah, very... But this is what HR1 does. It federalizes state elections. And it, and it literally says, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer says, we don't care how you do it in your state. We're going to make you do it this way because we think it's better. And by the way, the Constitution is really clear on this. It says that state legislatures will determine how that state's elections are managed. It's really clear this is unconstitutional. I mean, it does such things as it forbids a state to have, require someone to have ID to vote. I mean, who in the world thinks that's a good idea? To say nationally, you don't have to show any identification of any sort in order to vote. And we think that's a good idea. It it provides federal funding for election. So I'm not responsible to go out to my friends and supporters and say, hey, if you believe in what I'm doing, then help me win re-election. You know, help me with $5 or $10. It it takes that away and says, no, we're going to fund it. The federal government will be responsible for giving candidates money. And you trust Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to decide who gets money and who doesn't? This is just absurd legislation. It's designed to keep the Democrats in power forever. And again, it's one of the highest priorities we have to stop it. And it's another step, it feels like, for for them trying to socialize our country, make it a socialist country. And uh, we can't stand for that, Chris. We can't do it. I couldn't agree more. And it's just one of the ways, like you said, it's one more. Uh, and people say, well, that's so dramatic. You know, you're exaggerating. It's not fair for you to say they're socialists or they're socializing the country. Uh, and it's like I said, hey, look, I'll quit calling you a socialist when you quit, quit acting like a socialist, when you quit supporting socialist policies. Um, and then I'll, I'll quit that very moment. But as long as you're supporting things that socialize our country and that, and that uh, you know, I think even worse, pit us against one another, uh, pit us against one another based on race. Uh, you know, it, it, it come up with this idea that if, if everyone can't be equal in outcome, then we're going to take it away from those who have achieved. Uh, quit supporting those things, and I'll quit calling you a socialist. Yeah, I, I like to say, for crying out loud, that's my favorite phrase lately, because this <laughs> capitalism works, and it yeah. has worked forever, and, uh, and for them to try to take that away is just heartbreaking. Chris, i got to run. Thank you, though, for spending some time, in, and I also, too, want to honor Dean Cox, great man who served for uh, over three decades in Washington County. 
Well, thank you, and I'll tell him. You're sending your best regards. Thank right. you, sir. Thanks, Chris. Chris Stewart there. I talked to him yesterday. It was weird. I had a time slot for him. You know, in radio, everything is timed almost to the second, not even almost to the second. And uh, Chris was a little bit late getting on the air. I actually kind of had to preempt some things and move some things around, but it really well spoken in what he talked about. Now, I have a friend who uh, is relatively liberal, not really. In fact, he's kind of open-minded on both sides. But uh, one of the things he says is, why can't we socialize medicine? Why can't everybody get free medicine, free health care? And I said, well, okay, so say we acquiesced on this one. Say we say, all right, we're just going to do socialized medicine. Uh, What's next? He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, so... Do, do should we all get the same amount of money from the government for jobs we do? Should we should everyone everyone get free food all the time? Should we be you know should should there we be how about free housing? Should we you should pay for our housing for us? Uh, and and he's like, well, no, I mean we got to draw the line somewhere, and that's what I said. I said, yeah, we got to draw the line somewhere. Where is that line? Where are we going to put that line? Are we going to keep moving it around so it's convenient as to whatever the next crisis is? And he's like, well, I, yeah, but I mean, this is different. I, it's not different. To me, it's it's the same old, same old. So uh, 940 on KDXU. Uh, there, was a, 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 there is a report out that's supposed to be released to the uh, government. Uh, uh, it, it kind of truth in, in what's going on with uh, UFOs. And so... Um, I was I was looking at the the news reports on that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to come out today. This was Mon or Tuesday this week. It's going to come out today uh, on Wednesday. Said, so, oh, it's going to come out this week sometime. And then today there was a a little bit of the report leaked in the New York Times. And then at the end of the story, said the the the, uh, the uh, UFO report for the for the for Congress is going to come out sometime this month. So it's kind of funny how things go that way. Uh, but uh, the just the story today on The Wire was uh, New York Times uh, wrote the story and they said, well, the report says that the government acknowledges there are unidentified flying objects. There are uh, literally objects that are flying that they can't identify. But then it went on to say, but government officials uh, would like to assure everyone that these are not aliens. These are not uh, from another planet. And so I'm sitting there, I'm going, wait, they just said they don't know what they are, right? They just barely said, we, we have no idea what these things are. We have videos, and they're weird, and there's some strange things going on. We don't know what they are, but we know they're not aliens. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, if you don't know what it is, then how do you know it's not aliens? Let's get Seth's thought on this. Seth, what's going on? I read the same headline on Drudge uh, saying, yeah, we don't know what they are. We have some bodies. Uh, we, we, we have uh, material. We've got memory metal. We've got uh, uh, integrated circuits that we dug out of one of the ships. Uh, we've got fiber optics and uh, on and on. But they ain't alien for sure. Yeah. So uh, how would they possibly, if they don't know what they are, how do they know they're not? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, and and of course, uh, um, all the time you see the military show up with a flatbed truck, put something on it, throw a tarp over it, and (laughs) witnesses watch them hauling it away. Uh, Nothing to see here. Move on, troopers. uh, uh, It's none of your business, and it's classified. 
Yeah, and Tommy Lee Jones is going to show up with a black <laughs> suit on and sunglasses and say, uh, chances are you need to forget this or maybe your family disappears. Or look this way, I'll do the little flashy thing, Ian. You yeah, you want to see this red light, I'm going to shine in your eye. And, <laughs> and uh, um, well, uh, they can't be trusted with that. And then during this week, I've been noticing that uh, I just suggest that the people um, who are listening look up in the sky. And they're filling the sky with five-mile-wide so-called contrails. Uh, other planes don't leave them. Some planes, or whatever they are, do. And as soon as the temperature went up to triple digits, they decided that they were going to do some uh, global dimming. They were going to dim the sun for us so we didn't get sunburned. Really? Which is really nice because at some point they started early in the morning and they were segmented. Uh, they squirt some out, they, it stops, and then they go five or ten miles or, or off to the horizon, then come back and do another little segment. Now, as far as I can understand about um, contrails and jet engines, if you turn the engine off, and, and there's no contrail coming out, you sink like a rock. Yeah, that makes so sense. So if yeah. it's segmented and X's and O's and funny the patterns that are going on and that it's coincidental where there's one stripe, they come back later put another stripe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So aluminum and barium and uh, maybe a little vaccine, who knows what is the constituents of the stuff falling out of the sky. In any case, I don't want me or my garden or my ducks to be consuming it. No. You know what would be nice to come out of the sky right now, though, Seth, is actual rain. That would be good. Well, uh, a, a, <laughs> H2O, clean? Huh? Yeah, yeah, that'd Whoa, be nice. that, that's so <laughs> radical. I, I tried to plant a squash plant the other day in my garden that I sprinkle with my roof sprinklers. Mm-hmm. I get down a half inch. It's bone dry yeah. like nobody has ever seen a drop of water an inch below. Yeah. Okay, and, and uh, the only recourse is currently I'm flooding the beds to try to get some penetration down to the root zone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so this is this is a serious situation, and if they would lie to us about the things we've been observing, how many other things have they lied to us about? The better question might be how many things haven't they lied about at this point? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so uh, somehow I believe we're going to come into a period of time where secrets, Cliff High is talking, uh, he's uh, a fellow that had predicted uh, goings on at the World Trade Center uh, in advance, and, and he's saying that secrets are going to be reviewed. We've revealed we've been in the Piscean Age and we've moved into the Aquarian Age where science and and uh, rationality is uh, going to be on the forefront and we can't continue disguising and disclaiming everything people can see with their own eyes let me ask you seth on this report that's supposed to come out at some point this month uh, is, is there going to be anything there that that you think will surprise anybody It's leaking uh, these, whatever these things are, uh, they're taunting the military and the rest of us. 
they're going in places, they're yeah. being visible. Um, and, and so there's no way I, I think they can put the genie back in the bottle and tell us we're all crazy again. Yeah, I think you're okay, right. Okay, so they're, it, whatever they admit, and they're certainly not going to admit all of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but right. I think I think it's you can't put your finger in, in the dike like a little uh, duck boy and stop <laughs> the flood. The flood is going to take your dam out. Yep. Got to run, Seth. Thank you. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Uh, Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant. His specialty is customer service. Two new reviews. In fact, he's up to, what, 537 reviews. Uh, both of them five stars. Imagine that because he averages nearly five stars. Uh, Kobe says, Joe and his team put a tough deal together, and they made it work. Catherine says, I'd use Joe on every loan if I could. Great service. Always gets a loan through with no problem. It's Joe Shoney, a dedicated loan consultant with solid experience in home loan origination. Joe Shoney's phone number is 435 435- Five nine zero sixty three hundred. See why his reviews are five point or four point nine six out of five stars with over five hundred and thirty seven reviews. This is America for crying out loud. Traditional conservative capitalistic. Let's band together and melt the snowflakes on the Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at nine AM on News Radio eight ninety ninety four nine KDXU Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program. Got about 10 minutes left. If you want to weigh in, it's 673-5890. You can text me at 435-467-5842. Let's go right to the phone line. Steve, what's up today? Yeah, hi, Andy. Hey, what's going on? Well, I'd like to continue on from a conversation we were having yesterday with uh, Mayor Randall and uh, her budget representative. You know, people took, uh, and apparently even a police officer called in and took great exception to my audacity to point out about the uh, pensions and and the generosity of our city. And so for, for the record, to start with, I'm not talking about getting rid of pensions for police and firemen. They do a very dangerous and important job for us, and I think you could uh, support that. But what about the 14, well, actually there would be 12 other departments within the city. For example, they've got a job posted right now for a custodian, entry-level custodian, with a fully paid pension, uh, 12 days of paid, or excuse me, uh, 10 days, two weeks of paid vacation, 12 paid holidays, uh, 12 days of sick leave, which you can accrue unlimited, uh, plus 100% paid medical benefits, 100% for you and your dependents. Now, Andy, you tell me, is there another job in this city that you know of? And by the way, I've been looking. I believe the city is the most generous employer by far in this area. And I simply want to know why. That's a, that's a great question. But that did you say twelve paid vacation <laughs> or holidays? Well, yeah. So, so that's that's to start. After after four years, you get three weeks of paid vacation. Wow. Plus twelve paid holidays. Andy, how many paid holidays do you get? Uh, I think five. Yeah, and so at the city, if you don't take them, you add them into your vacation accrual. Right. This is this is the most generous. Um, a job in the on the planet. I don't know why everybody doesn't work for the city. In fact, I'm thinking of coming out of retirement and applying for the custodian job. What an amazing job that is! Well, if if you just factor in the the, the free health care, right by itself, yeah. that's worth you know eight hundred dollars a month, maybe. 
And it's for your dependents as well. It's not just you. Yeah. Most jobs today, it, you're very fortunate if they pay for you. But by and large, you have to pay a portion or maybe all of it for your dependents. But not if you work for the city. And we're not talking about, you know, um, uh, the, these uh, police and firemen jobs. We're talking the vast majority of these people work in public works. They work uh, in uh, economic and housing development, community development. The city manager has staff that is paid this generously. They're not putting their jobs, their lives on the line. They're not up at two o'clock in the morning going and helping some, you know, somebody that's called for help. These are people like you and me, average Joes. And so again, I want to ask anybody who's in a position of decision-making in the city, please come on the radio and explain to me why those of us who pay for this have to pay for such generous benefits and pay. You know, it's funny. We were just talking with Chris Stewart about socialism and and getting paid for all these things. And I'm thinking, you know, with you talking about this, it it kind of smacks a little bit of socialism because uh, you've got if you've got a a sweet little government job, uh, you you can make a lot of money and save a lot of money with items like uh, like insurance, like pension. And uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty good deal. My, My question, though, Steve, is is. A couple of things. Number one, what do we do about it? And number two, uh, there are plenty of other businesses, companies out there who have employees who, who choose to work there. If if it's such a great deal, why doesn't everybody work for them? And, and I, I know you asked that same question, but it seems like to me, why would I start a business? I should just go work for the city or the state. Well, exactly right. And, and so that's really my underlying point is that the city is competing with the businesses within the community, but they're competing unfairly. Number one, they don't have to make a profit. They merely collect money from the taxpayers, from the state, and also from the Fed. So they don't have to, uh, you know, make the bottom line. And secondly, you have uh, all of these um, benefits that uh, are really outside of the norm. And I think most people aren't aware that the city is such a great paying job. You wouldn't expect there to be such a generous package. But after today, I suspect there's going to be a lot of applications going in because there are several jobs open, but none of them fit into the category of police and firemen. And you notice that was where they where where the two ladies were on yesterday immediately jumped at. Well, what about the police department? Well, what about the custodian? What about the guy running the carousel in the park? What about the people running the, the golf courses? They should get such a generous package. I don't think so, because you and I are paying for it. And no one ever asks these questions. We, we're not paying attention to what's going on. We have people who are, look at the university with the Dixie, name change of Dixie. We have to fight the, the very people we have put in place to represent us. We have to fight them. This is, we, we've lost control. And it's time for those of us who actually are paying the freight, the average Joe, it's time for us to start paying attention again and start asking the tough questions. I don't think Mayor Randall, and of course she's new, it's not about her, it's about the issue. I don't think she can justify the kind of pay that the city's paying, but she'll try. But why? It's, it's, we, we've kind of lost our way. It's time to get back on track. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I was privy to a job opening at one of the local cities, uh, and it was a job opening that didn't require a whole lot of special skills. They only had, I think they had like five applicants for a job that should have had, you would think would have had 
20 or 50 or 100 applicants. Uh, and I was surprised because they basically, when you know, you, know how, you know how it is. When you advertise for a job and you get only five people apply, you're like, well, I guess I'll take the best of the worst because that's all we got. Right. You know, and so I was really surprised, and, and uh, maybe just maybe you're right. Maybe word hasn't gotten out yet. So I've got some other well, calls, Steve. I got to run. Okay. Sure, sure. Thanks for the time. Yep. All right. Uh, hey, thanks for calling today. This is Shelley, right? Yes, that's correct. I wanted to say when we moved here, like about 25 years ago, mm-hmm. my husband and I were comparing where do we work for private private organizations or. Um, or versus the city, and it's not the city of Washington, but another city. Mm-hmm. It was much lower paying, and we kept debating back and forth, and we thought, okay, yes, there is some insurance, and yes, there's pension. a pension. But we went through struggling years of sacrificing, knowing we could be paid more working for a private company, but we kept going, and we thought, okay, in the long run, this might be a better fit for us. So we sacrificed, and we did put up with having paid less money and then i just feel like it's kind of you're right a social thing that if i can't have a pension we should take it away from everyone else i kind of disappointed in that attitude it's kind of like you know (laughs) people killing their lovers if someone else wants them you know they can't have them um i'm just a little bit appalled because i think we all make choices of what where we're going to work and i think we shouldn't take away from someone what they have, and, you know, we had a degree, a college degree, and it was a lower-paying job, but that's what we chose. Anyway, everyone makes their choice. Shelly, can I, can I disclose something to you? My wife's, sure. name, my wife's name is Shelly, and she works for the government, uh, and, and you are not her. It was kind of a, a weird coincidence, but uh, we kind of went through the same thing about 20, it was, ours was about uh, almost 30 years ago, but do we take, you know, do we take this maybe lower paying job knowing that in the long run it would be good for us, and we, and we, right. we made the same decision. So, right, yeah. and sometimes when you are working for the city, you do get called out. I mean, there might be floods, there might be electrical things you have to deal with the public you've got cleaning up the graffiti sometimes i mean there's so many things you know that might be in your job description and i think it's wonderful people being custodians that's a lot of work and i think i'm grateful that i'm thinking that's great that they do get some benefits being a custodian thanks for the call shelly really great to talk to you today i appreciate it bye Uh, Allie, I know we did. You were able to find out when that uh, that uh, late night run was. We got about twenty seconds. Your mic must be off, sweetheart. There we go. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> Desert Color Development off of the Southern Parkway. So that's where it is, and you can go to sgcity.org/races. Very good. Thanks. That's it for the show.